Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the professional development podcast for entrepreneurs, authors, and career professionals who are looking to level up and become unstoppable. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner. Joining me as always, you know him as the super CEO the business strategist extraordinaire and all-around good guy, Ted Fells. And the guy that you caught right mid-yawn. Right? <laughs> I was like... Everybody's got a yawn. Man, I'm trying to tell you. You got a yawn at some point, so... That's it. Good evening, all. Good evening, all. And we want to welcome everybody to episode number 107 of the 30 minute hour podcast it's just 107 episodes we just, we keep it going every week don't we ted keep it going the fun the fun continues that's right right and and the fun's going to continue uh, this evening and, and we you're also going to be inspired i mean our guest I mean, her story is truly inspirational um and i've been getting comments and feedback just throughout the day when people saw what the show was going to be about so just get ready. I, I know Tracy's really going to share some key points to help you to level up and become unstoppable. But before we go there, we're going to give her a formal introduction. You need to know that this is not your everyday podcast. Uh, we, we do things a little different. You know, I know, I know this is episode number 107, but we may have some people that are watching this for the first time. So you just need to be warned. This is not your everyday podcast. Right, we, we do it. We do things. We have a different approach. Uh, now, you certainly you can find us on the different channels on LinkedIn, here on Facebook, on Instagram. Shout out to those of you that are watching us on IGTV, and then you can also listen later on Spotify and iTunes and all those great platforms as well. The only thing we ask is that you share the show, right? If you got value, if you took away just one nugget out of our time together, at least, at least we ask, one thing we ask is that you share the show with the people in your network. Don't don't keep us a secret. Don't keep don't keep the message a secret. Yeah, share share with a friend. Exactly. They want to learn. They want to be inspired. They want to be motivated. They might be feeling like giving up. Exactly. Share. Exactly. Got to share. And I wanted to give a special shout out to the What Now Movement. It's the What Now Movement Facebook group. Tracy is a part of it. She's commenting and sharing things in there as well. Today is Marketing Monday, and everybody's sharing their Instagram handles in in that Marketing Monday chat. So those of you that are watching or listening, please go in today, share your Instagram. And if you share your Instagram, I, I promise to follow you back. That's what I've been doing all day. I've been just following people all day. So if you're looking to grow your IG following, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> Go into the what now movement. You're going to add at least one because Eric's going to follow <laughs> The meter is it's movement. It's movement. The meter is going to move for you today if you put it out there. Hey, look, you can't get to 80 million followers without getting one. Right? That's it. That's it. It is impossible. That's right. That's it. I can be that follower that just sets everything off for you. That's it. All right. Fantastic. So, Ted. Yes, Eric. I've got something that's on my mind. Please share. So, in honor of our guest, I want to talk to you about how to set and get your goals in life. Mm. That's right. How to set and get your goals in life. So there's this familiar story, Ted. There's these two shoe salesmen. One's named Rick, the other's named Mike. Their company sent them to this third world country to look for new business opportunities. At the end of the first day, both called home to their wives to update them as to how things were going. So Rick calls and he says, honey, I'm coming back home. I can't sell anything. 
Nobody's even wearing shoes here. But then Mike, he calls his wife and says, honey, you wouldn't believe it. This is a great opportunity. Nobody's wearing any shoes here. I can sell to the entire country. So Mike went on to become a record-setting shoe salesman while Rick returned with no sales. So Mike was able to set and get his goals. But here's the big takeaway from this story that's going to help you. Now, this is that part of the show. Remember, we said it's not your everyday podcast. This is that part of the show where you just need to, if you're driving and you're listening to me right now, you just need to pull over to the side of the road. Just pull over. We need your undivided attention for this thing right here, right? That's right. If you're in the gym, you're on the treadmill, press pause. Got to, got to press pause. Ted, anything else people need to do? Put your put the ham sandwich down. You have a ham sandwich right now. No matter how good the sandwich is, it's time to put it down and listen closely. Listen closely. Hey, look, you need to be putting that ham sandwich down anyway, but that's another show, right? (laughs) But we need your undivided attention because the question on the floor is what's the takeaway, right? How can you set and get your goals? That's the question on the floor. Here it is. Here's what the story teaches us. You have to focus more on the possibilities than you do the problems. Mm-hmm. That's right. If you want to set and get your goals, you must focus more on the possibilities than you do the problems. So instead of saying, I can't, the question to ask is, what now? I like what you deal with that. <laughs> I like what you deal with that. Yeah, you know, I mean, Ted, you know, we talk about this all the time. The whole reason we started the What Now movement is because you need to change what you're saying to yourself. You're saying, oh, I can't. I'm going to wait until things get better. Nobody has any shoes. Yeah, you ask that question. If you ask what now, that just keeps you focused on the possibilities. Mm-hmm. And it positions you to set and get your goals. Tracy likes that. Tracy likes how you did that. Tracy likes how you did that, Eric. <laughs> well, again, I mean, it's no accident that I'm talking about setting and getting your goals because that's what Tracy does. Mm. She helps her clients to set and get their goals in life. You know, she's a coach, a speaker, she's an educator, and she is a community builder. Mm. So she ended her career in corporate America and found her new calling after a personal family tragedy. Her partner of almost 20 years passed away after a battle with cancer at the age of 47. Tracy and her two toddlers were left with no family nearby, a house underwater from the housing crisis, and couldn't see how anything was ever going to change, ever. Then years later, the spark came. It was that light inside. It it dimmed after years of trauma and loss and finally started to shine brighter. She saw a way back to her former self and began the journey one step at a time. She shifted her career to one of helping others at a deeper level while making more time for her own fulfillment, adventure, and joy. Today, she helps women remember their best selves. And for over a decade, she has been serving and supporting clients around the country to set and get their goals in health, in life, and in business. Please join me in welcoming to the 30-Minute Hour podcast, Tracy Root. And the crowd goes wild. Hey, you guys. Hey. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the show, Tracy. It's so glad honor. to be here. I'm I'm super excited to meet both of you guys. Uh, it's been a while. We were planning to do this for a while here. I'm super excited that the day is finally here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we were able to get it rescheduled to a time that worked for you. And I mean, again, I'm just really excited about what you're going to leave our, our followers with just based off yeah. of your experience. Uh, so, so let's get started. Let's start by let's roll back the clock. You know, to that time when you were about to graduate from San Jose State, uh, what was your vision for your career at that time? Like, what what were your plans? 
Yeah. Well, I grew up here in Silicon Valley. I went to San Jose State, Silicon Valley. You know, when I was growing up in Cupertino, that's the founding birthplace of Apple Computer. And my whole life was about how will we grow in this environment, in this community. So going to San Jose State, to tell you the truth, I went on the nine-year college plan. I really didn't know what I wanted to do for a long time. And I ended up actually getting a Bachelor of Science in Interior Design. It was one of the things that I always enjoyed. I always uh, loved art. And um, but what was funny about that is while I went and I have this art degree, I was never the greatest designer. I ended up in project management. Instead of actually designing, I was coordinating the implementation of other people's designs, which fit me perfectly because I, I'm very good at keeping a structured situation on track and doing it to the best of my ability, which usually is very well. I got great grades in college, but I was never the most creative designer. That's for sure. Um, wait, wait, let's back up. Did you yeah. say you were on a nine year plan? Well, yeah. So I started when I was young, straight out of high school and early college. I went to community college. And like I said, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't have big educational aspirational goals. Um, what I wanted to do was perform. I was a dancer and I was in some performing groups for a number of years after high school. So that was really my focus at, at first. What's great about that is those people are my lifelong friends. I'm connected to hundreds of them still these days. Thank you, Facebook and social media. So it really set the foundation for my future in ways that I didn't know at the time, not only with the community of people that I'm connected to now, but I was also in leadership positions and had real responsibility there as well. So it was it was formative in a lot of ways, just not in the educational way. And once that ended, you're only allowed to do that until you're 21. So once that ended, then I got serious about college and actually found a university instead of a junior college and picked a major and went and finished that up. And I got my degree in interior design in 1995. Yeah, I asked because we, we had some people at, at my school that were on a nine-year plan, but their nine-year plan was a little different than that. <laughs> Different, different. Yeah, mine was more about like not wanting to go. And, you know, I took maybe two out of three quarters every year and right. or half a, one semester instead of two some years. Um, it was it was not that I didn't do well in school, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. And it felt like, you know, I'm not big on spinning wheels. Like mm -hmm. I want my the things that I'm doing to have a reason behind them. And so to go and take classes that would ultimately have no bearing on my future didn't really resonate for me. So I did things that did, which, you know, were, were less uh, academically inclined. And I worked and, you know, had jobs and all those kinds of things. Okay. So, yeah, okay. so go ahead. No, I was going to say, so if you could go back and talk to, let's say, the graduating seniors at, yeah. at, at your college, based off of just your life experiences, what advice would you give them? You know, because I really didn't know what I wanted to do going into college and and kind of had to figure it out on the way, I think that would probably be where I would focus is it's okay not to know as long as you're trying new things and, you know, seeing how they resonate for you, seeing how they hit you, if it's something, if it's, build if it you know feeds your skills like your strengths if they if the strengths that you have get better because of the work that you're doing then that's great and if you're learning new things that's great but don't do it just to do something because that that's a waste of time mm. i think that's great because like i remember when i was in college i, I wasn't very clear on what i really wanted to do and i, I would meet these people that they were just, I'm going to be an architect. Boom. Yeah. Now, the first day they set foot on campus, I'm going to be an architect. I'm going to be a right. doctor. And I, and it almost makes you feel like, man, but, but it's okay not to know this as long as you're taking steps to move forward. Well, absolutely. So I have teenagers, I have a 12 year old and a 14 year old, 
And neither one of them have that, oh, well, when I grow up, I want to be this. And I certainly didn't have that. And, and like, so I don't have the perspective of what is it like to know that. And I do have a few friends that I went to school with who maybe, you know, they did, they knew that they were going to have a one really good friend who decided, who wanted to be um, a neurologist, super smart, amazing guy wanted to be a neurologist. In the end, he's now an interventional radiologist. So he shifted, but he knew he was going to go into medicine from when we were 14 and all the way through. And now we're, you know, in our fifties and here we are and he's in medicine. But even I think a lot of people who think they know at that young age, high school, even college, by the time you get to where I'm at, I'm 52. It's not necessarily the passion of your life anymore. You know, I, I really enjoyed what I did and I was really good at it until it wasn't serving my future anymore. Mm. And I decided to change. Interesting. So let's talk about that. So you, you were in corporate America prior to experiencing this, this loss. Mm -hmm. So what was your role in corporate America just kind of leading up to this traumatic event? Yeah. Well, so as I said, my degree was in interior design. And so I ended up actually in corporate facilities, project management, which is kind of, uh, you know, we manage the building and the, 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 the facility itself so that these companies could, um, you know, their employees had a great work environment and could do their jobs so that the company would succeed, et cetera. I was a consultant and I worked at a number of different companies here in Silicon Valley. Um, so while, again, I got to use what I learned with my college degree in a more practical as opposed to a more creative aspect, which was great because that fed my right brain or left brain, left brain tendencies of being really organized, being really clear communicator, all of those things. And those really, um, served my job of being a project manager could keep things, you know, kind of in line as uh, as they were happening. Um, I did that for 17 years. I started a week after I got or a week before I graduated from college. I started at a low level, you know, entry level position and moved my way all the way up to vice president of the company in charge of mm -hmm. corporate relocation because every year I would take on new I take on new projects and build new skills and new responsibilities and you know make new relationships with new clients. And it was great. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, I had a family tragedy in that time. Four years before, so I said I was in 17 years. So after 13 years in that, in that job, in that business, um, my first husband and I were married and we were having our first of our two kids. And shortly after my husband, after, after my son was born, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. And so for those next four years, I was working full time, learning how to be a mom, having babies. I had my son and then two and a half years later, my daughter. So having babies, learning how to be a mom, working full time and helping my husband go through surgeries, chemo, radiation, all the ups and downs of an unsuccessful fight with cancer four years later he passed away and the kids were one and a half and four hmm. so i was still in that career thankfully i was very good at what i did and i had lots of support from my client customer and my boss bosses you know the company so it was really wonderful for me to know that i was in a safe place to be able to process everything that was happening but about a year and a half later, you know, fog, grief is like a fog, right? When it's happening to you, you are in uh, like that survival mode feeling, just making sure that the kids are alive every day, that I was going to work so that I would make money so that we had a roof over our heads. We really didn't have any family and not a lot of close friends nearby. We had a couple, but really we were quite on our own. And so I was doing the day-to-day -day of what I needed to do in order to have myself and my kids be able to survive during this time. About a year and a half or so after Paul passed away, I finally started to kind of recognize that 
um, we were pretty miserable, exhausted, and noticed that, you know, what if things stayed like this? What would things be like in five years? What would things be like in 10 years? And did I want to continue down that road as the kids went from preschoolers to elementary school and on and on in there as they grew up? And did I want to be this kind of mom, right? Was, was the way that we were living the life that I envisioned for myself and for my kids? And the answer was no. I could not imagine staying in that job and doing that same routine. Like I didn't see it changing at all. I didn't have the ability to really do new things anymore because I had the, all the responsibility of being a solo parent. Um, so I started to look at like, if I wanted to change something, what could I do? What could I do differently? Could I move to be closer to my parents, to my husband's family? My parents are in Florida. His family was in Louisiana, still is. Um, and so it became in my mind, like, what could I do that would change our future? And it seemed like if I moved closer to family, then I would have some support and be able to start to reshape our life so that I could be the parent that I really wanted to be, which was someone who was much more present, much more available to be a part of their growing up as opposed to just funding it. Um, so we left. So I ended up finding coaching through someone helping me with a physical weight loss journey. I lost 55 pounds that summer. And that woman who coached wow. me, it was pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> the woman who coached me taught me how to coach and I became a health coach. And that was nine years ago this hmm. summer. And we moved, I said, well, if I coach and I could make this much money, I was kind of doing it on the side at the time, make this much money coaching versus this much money in project management and cost of living in Florida versus cost of living in Silicon Valley. Where's the tipping point? And I found it and I took it. And so later that year, that, that following December, I left corporate and not only became a coach full time, but also moved to Florida. And, uh, and started on the entrepreneurial life, which I had never really planned for real to do, but it just kind of fell in my lap and seemed like a great opportunity and a great way to, to move our lives forward. No, that, that's incredible. And I definitely want to say sorry for your loss. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's an incredible story. We're talking to Tracy Root here on the 30 Minute Hour podcast. Shout out to those of you who just joined us on IGTV. Again, this is not your everyday podcast. So Tracy, uh, you mentioned that like the reading like your bio and some other things that you for a while, the light within you had dimmed, but then you found the spark. So was that spark? Was that when you discovered coaching or talk, talk about like how exactly you came across this specific spark? Yeah, I mean, really, it's it's about, you know, those days of going through the motion and and being in that survival mode and after my husband passed away to realizing that survival mode helps you survive but it's no way to thrive it's no way to live your life to stay in survival mode it's it's for it's meant to be a season we're not meant to be in survival mode for 50 years <laughs> right and it's certainly not going to be any fun and my kids deserved more Right. And that really was what it what happened was I kind of had that wake up call that if I'm going to change something, I need to change it. It's not just going to change because I think it should. And ugh, I can't even like it's hard for me to even say that word should like I really tried to delete it out of my vocabulary. But but that's the feeling that I think a lot of people get stuck in is that this is the way it should be. Can you stop right there? Yes. Because it's big, talk, right? Talk about why you should not say should. Because I Ooh. tell people this all the time. Well, because who says? Right? If, if you say it should be this way, why? Why do you think that's true? And for me, 
going through all of this time, you know, I would, over nine years of coaching, but, you know, years even before that, starting to realize that I wanted to do something different, thinking that things are or should be a certain way is no way for me to be able to create what I want, right? Looking at something and saying it should be different has no action behind it. It has like, that's just some sort of opinion that it's like a judgment that it's wrong. And maybe you want it to be different. So that's the difference, right? Saying it should be different versus I want it to be different. One of them includes you. Mm. One of them is about the other, right? So if we say I want things to be different and therefore I can take action to make them different, should is nowhere in that that equation. It's just, it's not supportive of, of doing new things and, and trying new things and building what we want. No, that, that, that's great. And I think that's a good takeaway for people that are watching and listening is to just, you know, we, we used to say, don't shoot all over yourself. That's right. <laughs> right. You know, because I had a, um, a, another podcaster friend of mine does a class called, you know, Flush the Shoulds, which is a really great name, I thought. And, and it really just comes down to we get to create what happens in our lives. Yep. Everything we do is a choice. Even if we think we don't have a choice, ultimately we do. If you really can drill into it, you're making a choice around whatever this thing is that you think is just exists. You either choose to accept it as it is, you choose to do something in line with it or contrary to it, um, you know, whatever it is. The thing happened in our lives. I mean, I've lost my husband. I've lost my mom. My parents were divorced. Like all of the things that happened in my life that made me who I am, none of that happened because it's just how it should be. It happened because... Of, of events happening and the way that I responded to it, whether it was formatting, forming my personality, my drive, my um, desire to connect with other people, you know, all of those things are results of the actions that I took based on the events in my life. And those shoulds don't, uh, saying that something should be a way doesn't allow you to have any active reaction to the things that happen in your life. Yeah, and then you you hit on something else that I thought was powerful too. You talk about survival mode. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's easy to go years in survival mode. You know, you, you know we're how, all in survival know. mode with the pandemic. Yeah, right. I mean, that's that's one of the biggest things that I love about this last year is I've been able to take this grief story that I have with my husband dying, go back behind that when my mom died, she died 26 years ago, Paul died 11 years ago. Um, But grief is universal. And we don't always look at that as at all the things that happened in our lives that were unmet expectations as grief. But I think they are one and the same. And the pandemic is a perfect example of we've got a giant situation of unmet expectations in this last year, yearish, right? People, everyone thought things should be a different way. And we thought they were going to be, and they're not. So now what? What action do we take to serve us in this time of events happening to us? So yeah, it's, it's powerful to stay out of that survival mode and out of that victimhood role where we tell ourselves that things are just happening to us and there's nothing we can do about it because we absolutely can. That's that's an interesting point that you bring up the the pandemic and I've you know I've said to so many people I said you know this is that one time that everyone is dealing with the same thing. Yep. Right like you know like experience absolutely everyone is dealing with the same like it's playing a role in the same movie. Yep. You know, and then different people deal with it different ways. Different people have been impacted different ways. But 
Like it's something that it's, you know, it's almost like in every conversation, the first thing you got to say to someone is like, how are you? Which really mm -hmm. means, how are you dealing in this current situation that we're all dealing with before we go to anything else? Because, you know, how are you managing it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I would even more so maybe a couple months ago when we really couldn't see, like we're starting to see that light at the end of the tunnel a little bit now here in April, but, you know, six months ago, especially, right, go back before the year turned, right? As the year turned, things were starting to kind of feel a little different. But back last October, November, we were all like in this, who knows what to expect? I don't know anything about the future. And that's a very, very strange place for most of us to not have any idea of what the future holds because we really don't. But I think the people who motivated this time were the ones who were the most okay with not knowing. And then you have the opposite of that, which is the people who thought it'd be a certain way. And then we go back to the, the shoulds versus the actions. You know, that's funny. You know, I was thinking about the shoulds as you were just talking about that. And it's like, again, a year or so ago, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll be going back. Things will be normal in May. And then it was like, yeah, you know, it'll be June. Yeah, it'll be August. And I kept saying, well, what are you, <sighs> what are you basing it on? So, right. You know, I'm just over it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's I'm just over it exactly. We we don't know how it's going to be over, but in June we're going to all be going back to work one way or the other, and things are going to open back up. And no, then it was uh, by the end of the year, and now you know it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, we got we got some we got some vaccine. We are out. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's, it is really, we're in, I think, a really hopeful time right now because of the vaccine and because, you know, um, I don't know about you guys, I'm here in California, like, I, I feel really good about our situation here in our, in our state, in our county, I think we're doing really well. It's still kind of a crapshoot across the country, whether or not that's true or not. Um, but I think that for those who aren't sure when things will end, right? Like I don't say I ever say things will be back to normal because that's never gonna happen. And that's okay, right? I think that's another thing that people, anyone who thinks it'll be back to normal, like we've all experienced a global tragedy. We, you can't just go back from that. It's like telling someone who's lost their husband, well, when are you gonna feel normal again? Hmm. You don't, right? It's just, and that's okay. I mean, I, I know that I say things, and I apologize because I say things like that. And I think I shock people with kind of a lightness of feelings, but obviously it wasn't light 11 years ago, but now what it is, is it's part of the journey. And if we can tell that what's ahead of us is still ahead of us and we're going in that direction. So that's okay. And even if it's, you know, it might be June, it might, like I have a in-person event space gather here in Santa Cruz and we've been closed for 13 months. Like lights off, the heat's not on, paying rent for nothing for 13 months, but it will reopen. Will it be in June? Will it be in September? Will it be in November? I don't know, but it will happen. And I will keep working to move forward until that day and every day afterwards. So you have to just keep going. Now that's great. You have to keep going. So, so what steps can people take to set and get their goals? Maybe they're in survival mode. Maybe they're dealing with a tragedy, but what, what, what are some steps that people can take? Yeah. So the main things that I, when I'm teaching goal setting workshops. I, I have a workshop called Live Your Bold Life, which is about setting and getting goals. And we start off with being really clear about the goal. Right? Teach we talk about smart goals and all those things, but but I think a lot of people like are confused with um with dreams versus goals and and being really specific. 
about what it is they're trying to accomplish, right? Do you want more time with your kids or do you want to be able to have a weekly date night, right? Like what specifically is it? So being really specific about what you're going after is really important. The next thing that's important with that is being really clear on where you are in relation to that. Because sometimes we don't really take a, a, you know, a good microscopic look at our reality before we're just dreaming about the thing that we want. So looking at the two in comparison and making a plan. I find that writing things down is a huge, huge help. It connects your brain to your hand to the paper. Um, if you're just thinking about it, it doesn't count, right? You got to write it down in order to really go after it. And I also think getting help and and with accountability and community is super important. You mentioned in my my bio situation that I'm a community builder. Well, I find that in nine years of coaching, that is the constant across all genres, across all situations, is that we are not designed to do things by ourselves. And the more we can get support and really allow ourselves to be open to the help from others, then we're a lot more likely to be able to go after those goals with a confidence that maybe we wouldn't have had if we were just inside our own head the whole time by ourselves. So writing things down, getting support, whether it's a coach or an accountability partner or a friend or your spouse or whatever, it all depends on what your goal is. And writing what it, I started with writing things down, writing things down, being really clear about the goal and getting support would be probably the three main things that I would say. Yeah. I mean, you also touched on, you got to know where you are currently in relationship yeah. to the goal. And, and I, I think, and I you know, yeah, you know, a GPS in your car, you want to give it the destination, but it has to know where you are to tell you what turn to take. See, that's a great analogy for all goal setting ventures is like, how are you going to know which direction to go if you don't know where you're starting and where you're ending? Right. It's all it's a map. Right. We used to fold maps and have to look at them over and over. I love maps. Maps were super cool. The GPS now, it tells me audibly in my kid's voice. Actually, we recorded it for them. So turn left, mom. It's great. <laughs> but, you know, without that, we don't know if we're going the right direction. Not only to get the goal, but in relation to where we started. So, Tracy, you said you like maps. Yeah. I hated maps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because you know when you. I'm also uh, visual. I'm very visual, and I'm artistic, right? So I, I think maps are like a work of art. Oh my goodness! You know, yeah, like, like you, know, you know when you go get like a rental car, mm -hmm. and they and they have a map. Yep. You know, or even at the gas station, they put the map like out in front of you, and then they knew how to like write upside down. Uh -huh. and, so you like that? I do. I didn't like. I didn't like. I didn't like that, Tracy. I'm like. I can't even fold tell me, tell me, tell me, I need to go to the light, make a left, go down a mile, make a right. I don't. That trying to do that squiggly line. That's so funny. Well, so I'm a very being like I'm back to being an art major and a performer and a dancer, right? I'm very visual, and very artistic. So to to have a visual, I even have a friend who gave me directions once, and it wasn't like go to the light, turn left go a mile turn right it was he kind of did it with his body it's like take the exit and stop at the light and then you're gonna turn left and like i'm kind of moving out of the window so i don't want to do too much but he did it like with his body and it was perfect because i could envision him telling me which way to go way more than like i could have written it down but then i would have to be reading it so like i'd still have to look at it i need my eyes that's why I, I, that's why that's why I like navigation. Navigation, I put the address in. Yep. It tells me where to go. Yep. Well, and as long as you know exactly where you want to go, exactly where you started, that tool is going to get you there. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's lots of tools for lots of people. I personally like there's a real valid um, scientific connection between writing things down, doing things pen to paper 
And when I teach that workshop, I have a, a tool, a document that we use to write up the goal, write where you are, write the tasks at hand to get you from here to there. Uh, it's really great. People love it. And, um, but, you know, I mean, navigation is great too. It allows me to listen to podcasts in the car. So, you know, one or the other. That's right. But now, I mean, I, I, I agree again. You talk about being clear on your goal. I think that's that's what stops a lot of people, not being yeah. clear and specific enough as far as, okay, where am I going and how will, how will I know when I've got there? What does getting there look like? Yeah. Well, you know, I have – so I had a client in one of my workshops who was like, okay. So I said, okay, so so tell me what your goal is and use the – we're doing smart goals, so give me the SMARNT. Like tell me by the letter what your goal is. And they started – reciting all the actions that they were going to take. I'm going to call 10 people and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do social media and all these tasks. I said, none of that is your goal. Like you might have a, a goal to call 10 people. Okay. Well, so let's set that as a goal, but if that's just one thing you're going to do for a bigger goal, that's the goal we're talking about. So specifically measurably achieve, you know, achieve, I teach specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound, and like, tell me how those all go. So even when you say you want to be specific, sometimes they still don't even hear it, and that's where getting support comes in and where writing things down comes in, because in our own heads, we might still be saying, oh, yeah, my goal is to call 10 people, but that's not your goal. Your goal is to make this much money or your goals to reach these many people or impact this many lives or whatever, or sell this many books, whatever you're going to do. And that's a task related to the goal instead. Yeah. Try, try to go so. tell a bill collector, Hey, I know I don't have the money, but I call 10 people. Right. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that one. He's right. just like, congratulations, but come back with the money. That's it. That's right. That's right. You haven't called, you haven't called the right person. <laughs> Oh man. So in October of 2019, you founded Gather. And we were talking about yeah. that a little earlier. Kind of just, mm -hmm. just really give everybody the details. What is Gather? Why did you start it? Yeah. Well, when I when I was coaching, well, I still am coaching, but when I started coaching, um, more life coaching instead of only health coaching, right? I, I started as a health coach, but I transitioned into helping people with other things as well. And I really wanted to do in-person workshops. I wanted to do vision board parties and kind of all of that kind of group activity. And here in Santa Cruz, I found it very hard to find a location that I could rent that was affordable, that was the right size that I needed, that was available, huge problem. Um, and that was nice, like from an environment standpoint, standpoint, a place you wanted to spend your day and learn and, and do stuff, right? I could find things that were like the multi-purpose room at the middle school, but I didn't want to hang out there all day and who wants to do that? So the um, because I had that background in interior design and project management, I just thought, well, what if I made a place of my own? Like I know how to do that. I have those skills, I have that experience. What if I owned a place that I could use for my stuff and when I'm not using it, I could rent it out to other people. And I floated it by a networking group of women that I'm in and they all went, that sounds like a great idea. You should totally do that. And I said, cool. So I did. Um, and it was one of the best experiences because it's the kind of thing that I was doing all kinds of things that I had never done before. I had never uh, negotiated commercial real estate before, you know, all kinds of things related to the city and permits and licenses and stuff like that. So it was really exciting to learn lots of new things and to find myself moving forward after obstacle after obstacle, still moving forward. So it was a huge learning growth experience for me personally. And then when we opened the space, we started in October of 2019, and in those next five months before the pandemic hit, our momentum just was was cranking. We were reaching all kinds of new people in the community, really filling a need in Santa Cruz for people to be able to have, you know, there's a lot of small businesses here in our town, 
but real estate's very expensive. And so most offices were super packed. They didn't have big meeting rooms, you know, things like that. Or there were larger organizations, meetups, networking groups, et cetera, that were looking for spaces and they were hard to find. So we, we really filled a, filled a need there and it was very, very fun. When the pandemic hit, of course, we can't do any sort of indoor gatherings anymore. We had to close the doors actually in the middle of a two-day workshop. Saturday happened, Sunday didn't. Um, and, you know, after a couple of weeks when we realized that, oh yeah, it's not gonna be just for a few weeks like we all thought originally, like you are saying before, Ted, I kind of went, you know, if I don't help the clients of Gather successfully transition to online, they're not going to be around when we get to reopen, right? They need to stay successful and stay growing and they don't have the ability to do stuff in person. So let me help them be successful online. And so we shifted everything. We're now, instead of me trying to fill a room for a certain number of hours a day, I have a whole community of people that I'm supporting in sharing their events and workshops around the country instead of in one town and with dozens of women instead of, you know, a handful of people who are physically using a room. So it actually was a huge expansion for us. We get to serve a lot more people as far as gathers clients, the people who I'm supporting in promoting their, their events and, and lifting them up as experts in their field. But yet they're also reaching way more people than they would have because everyone's doing it from their living room. So it's been a huge success. And as we move back into in-person, as we said, it's not like we're gonna go back to what it was. We're gonna end up with both. And so we're really kind of re-looking re at, you know, the in-person is a thing, but the online gather community is still gonna be a thing as it is now going forward. So it's, it's really kind of cool that we kind of created a business that we didn't even know was needed until it was. Hmm. Yeah, so that's what we so did. You, so you were forced to pivot. Yeah, well, and I don't even say pivot because we're still kind of in the same lane. We just expanded, right? We just got wider, there's a wider lane. Um, you know, before if people, if Gather was gonna support someone in a workshop, they were physically coming to Santa Cruz. Now, you know, the people that I'm helping to promote are all across the Western United States primarily, just because those are people that I know, right? And the circles that I've I've moved in. Um, but our client lists are across the country. And those clients, the clients in Wisconsin were never coming to Santa Cruz for a workshop. <laughs> Probably, right? <laughs> not for not for a $28 workshop or a $400 workshop, right? Like, you know, I'm we're not Tony Robbins, you know, granted. But uh, but there's people all around the country who are getting to connect with people who have messages for them that they never would have met otherwise. It just it just wouldn't have happened. And now it has. And it's really it's been really amazing. Great, great. So shifting gears a bit. Yeah. What book has had the biggest impact on you and the way you think? Yeah. You know, we, we talked a little bit about this beforehand and I was thinking about that and it's so like literally impossible to say just one book. I'm going to give you a few authors okay? because anything by them is everything for me. There's Brene Brown, hmm. of course. Right. And, and her podcast as well, like huge this last year and her podcast that she's been doing for this last year during the pandemic. Amazing. Huge. Um, you know, so you could start with the gifts of imperfection and move on from there. Um, second one is Mel Robbins, five second rule, right? She's amazing, right? We're like, like the thing with Brene and the thing with Mel Robbins, like I think one of the, re and Jensen Shero is another one. The reason why I resonate with them the most, I think is because like, we're about the same age. They're similar attitudes in but yet they've moved to like this level that's so inspiring for me that it's someone that i want to be for my clients right it's that trickle down effect so 
So Mel Robbins is huge. She's amazingly vulnerable and and raw in much of her communication and her blogs and her videos and stuff. And it's very inspiring to see that because that's scary and, um, and people love it. So like it's, and not even just that people love it. What do you get out from being that vulnerable? You get to be yourself and your tr be true and not just be on a show. So Mel Robbins. And the last one is Gabby Bernstein. Gabrielle Bernstein, she's a spiritual teacher and her book, Judgment Detox, completely changed how I listen to clients. That book, it's called Judgment Detox and you think, and you think it's about how to change your, uh, in your tendency to judge other people, but it's 100% about how to get rid of self-judgment. And it was huge for me. That was, I listened to that like three times in a row, like four years ago, and it completely changed because we all self judge. We all have that story in our head of not being good enough or not being worthy or not doing it right or not being perfect, right? Most of the people that I teach are all recovering perfectionists. And so to, to know that that is totally normal, a normal thing and at the same time to move away from it is going to be the thing that that allows you to take life by the reins and, and have a good time and, and really do the things you're after it was huge so i you know the whole should and like it kind of goes back to everything we were talking about with the shoulds and all of that stuff it's all garbage and if you let that story roll in your head all the time you're not going to get anywhere so we got to get rid of it so Absolutely. i think I would say that that of all of those, as I kind of rattle them off, um, ultimately, I would say probably Judgment Detox was the number one thing, because that was a very big personal development book for me. Judgment Detox. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Like each of those it's authors not, is like the normal like business book answer, right? Yeah. It's a very it's a very personal um, it's a very personal answer because it it changed how I talk to myself and therefore how I can be for others. Huh. Okay. Judgment detox, you know, mm -hmm. and it's interesting, like those authors, I think they have something in common where, you know, you know, how you go on Facebook and everybody's trying to pretend like they've never had an issue. They, they've never had yeah. a bad day. They, they put this facade on where they're the, the three that they're like the total opposite. They're, yep. they're just very real. And yeah. hey, I was like, I know Mel Robbins mentioned that she was on anxiety medicine for like 15 years. And she's oh, there, yeah. she, really she talks about anxiety. She talks, she yeah. just had, you know, just, I don't know if this is TMI for you guys, but she just had her breast implants removed because she had toxic mm -hmm. breast implant syndrome, which is a huge issue for health yeah. for women who have had that. And I, and she's not that I know her, but she's probably the fifth person that I know of like personally, the other people I actually know personally who've had that experience, but to bring it to a public platform like that is hugely vulnerable for her. First of all, she's just like, yeah, I had kids. I didn't want saggy boobs. What do you want? Like, so what? Right. It's, it's that we're all real people. And, and if we're trying to put on a show that makes us look better than we are, we're not helping ourselves and we're definitely not helping the people around us. We're all just people. So let's just be real. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I think that's a good lesson. I mean, I think anybody that's looking to create content, I think if you lean into your failures and <clears throat> your struggles, that that's just going to draw people to you. Yeah. That's I mean, I don't like, like to go on camera, you know, without my hair done and all that kind of stuff. I mean, but sometimes I do and it's not that, you know, but it's not like it's not for the show. Right. That's the whole thing is, you know, before I really kind of stopped judging my own actions. Right. That whole judgment detox phase before I really realized that I had been putting on that facade, thinking that I had to be more than I actually was in order to be admired or liked or successful or whatever. Once you can get away from that 
it doesn't mean that you're any better or worse of a person. It just means that you can be and be with, you know, peace in your, in yourself. You know, it's interesting though, when you said, you know, you're like being more, right? Like, mm -hmm. is it like more, like oftentimes more is what others may see as more. Yeah. The bigger car, the bigger car, the bigger house, the perfect family, the perfect kids, the per you know, that's the picture that's put out there, the, right. the more. And so we, you know, we all put us measure, you know, may measure ourselves up against that measuring stick of more, but really, I guess it comes down to really, you know, you know what, what makes you happy? Is it, are those things yeah. going to make you happy? You know, well, and, 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 and are those people happy, right? Are yeah. those people that appear to have the more, are they are they happy well and what even is that right the so a couple of years ago i had a mentor who asked me like what do you want right and i'm just like i just want more right like more like more what and and really what did that even mean and what it meant was that it it, it only works like if that more is fulfillment mm. or joy or or, you know, I mean, we could say more impact, but that's like goes back to the whole goal setting thing. You can't just say you want more, more what? And and when are you there? And when does the, the ride end? Like, if you don't make a decision of what that looks like, you're never going to have success in it. And therefore, you're always going to feel less than. And that's why I like teaching goal setting, because if you can have a goal that you're going after, if you're reaching that goal, then you can really feel accomplished in that and, and feel good and fulfilled and happy about the, yourself and the work that you've done. But if you don't set that goal, you're never going to reach it and you're never going to get that feeling. And, and you're always going to feel like you're not enough. So I think goal setting is a huge tool in really having that real picture for ourselves and being able to say, I am what I, you know, what I believe myself to be, or I don't know. <sighs> uh, that's fantastic. We're, we're at the part of the show where it's time to go around the horn. And this is where we each leave a parting shot for our followers to take away from the show. That's going to help them to become unstoppable. So Tracy, we'll start with you. You're the guest of honor. What is your around the horn parting shot? closing takeaway? You know, I think that it all comes down to how everything is a choice, right? We really, as a society, feel like um, a lot of people feel that the things that are in their lives are not necessarily in their, uh, in their power to change, right? They, they are, a lot of things happen to us as opposed to us making things happen. And so when we realize that everything that happens in our lives is a choice, you know, we always say not making a choice is also a choice, right? When we realize that really everything that we're doing, whether I choose to go make my family dinner tonight or choose to go get takeout or choose to just stay up here and work and let them fend for themselves like ferals, right? <laughs> like it's all my choice. And my goal is to have my family have a nice nutritious dinner, then I'm going to choose the thing that's probably going to be more effort on my part, but it's going to be worth it because it helps me be of service in the way that makes me being that fulfillment. So everything is a choice. And uh, I think once I realized that that was true, able to things not going the way I thought they should, but knowing that I get to decide how to respond to the way they did. Everything's a choice. I mean, that's powerful. I mean, every, at the end of the day, everything's a choice. You get you get to choose yeah. what you're gonna do next. Uh, that's yep. fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Ted? Absolutely. You know, so for, so for me, you know, it kind of goes into the discussion we were just having around the whole, like more and, you know, and, and trying to, uh, you know, 
trying to accomplish these goals and, and, and what you, what you measure yourself up against. And, you know, and I, and I, you know, I had a, uh, a friend say to me one time, you know, I swear, you know, I've been a business owner for, for entrepreneur for 20 plus years. And he had said to me one time, he said, it's like, you know, everyone's journey is like, is not your journey. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and I, and, and it really, really resonated with me because it was like, like the journey that I had to, to take, you know, you look at it, man, looks like that's just working for everyone else. Like, man, like that, you know, the successes. And so I had to, you know, go through it a certain way. But then, you know, when I look at it now and it's kind of like, yeah, you know, you know, you know, sometimes somebody else, like, people will say, well, you know, no, I wouldn't change a thing. I'd, I'd go through it the same way. I'm not gonna say that, Tracy. There's some things that I could have changed. You know, I would change them, but you know, since you can't, you know, the journey, you know, and, and getting to a certain place, you know, you learn so much about yourself. Mm-hmm. That just learn that, you know, it's you know how resilient, you know, you can be mm-hmm. in a situation like you can. Yeah. And you can dig deep into a place like whatever that place is, like the things that you shared with us today about your situation. Man, you know, some could not have dealt with that and been able to come to the other side. I think each of us have our place of where we kind of, you know, whether you know, your, your faith drive and just look, I'm just not going to give up and just, you know, and I think that's just, you know, going through those situations and like I, you know, like you said, you go through that survival mode place. I thought that was really great too. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you, you're trying to, you know, get to the other end. And I just think that, uh, yeah, you just learn a lot and you learn a lot from your, from your journey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you use the word resilient, which is a huge one that I, that I always use because, you know, is every decision, every choice that I make, the perfect choice no there's no perfection so it couldn't possibly be and you're right you learn from every single one of them has every choice been the right you know were there other choices that maybe could have turned out things in a different way maybe i didn't make them so it's kind of hard to know right but you know it's possible and but i'm not gonna like get down on it because there's nothing you can do because it's already over yeah just make the next right choice that's it yeah. Mm. Make the next right choice. No, that's good. And, and so, so my around the horn, part of our show, especially when we start talking about the books, we start really talking about the importance of authenticity mm. and really just being real. And it just reminded me of, you know, I was in this, ma- I was in another master class, and the instructor, she, she said something that really stood out to me and it stayed with me to this day. And she said that, you know, you have to lean in to whatever you feel disqualifies you. Mm-hmm. So whatever that that thing that you're ashamed of about yourself, or people, if it's something that they're picking, you know, people make fun of you about. That's really that's really your thing that yeah. you have to lean into that instead of trying to hide it and pretend like it's not there. And that's when you really you come across as more authentic. Um, and I just thought about that because I think that's the key that whole authenticity thing. And we, I mean, we could definitely feel the authenticity coming from you, Tracy. And I, I can imagine why, you know, you, you're having the success that you have because you're real. And, Thank people, you. and you know, you know, when you come across somebody that's just real and, and it's refreshing and you want to work with them. I appreciate that so much, you know, and it's funny, I'm sitting here looking at, at the three of us on screen and I'm looking at my perp, my pink hair and I went like this and I saw my nails and I'm just like, you know, but the thing is, is that, you know, what you see on the outside doesn't prove whether someone's authentic or not. Right. Right. I like to have fun. I think this is kind of fun. Right. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to like try to get deep about something that is affecting someone that I care about or help someone through a rough time, right? That's where the authenticity, if it's coming out of here, that's what matters. It's not even about what we see. And I think that's kind of one of the tricks of social media is everyone thinks that the the picture is the reality when the picture is just what would decide, you know, how we're showing up today in that one particular picture. 
right. that doesn't have anything to do with whether we're a real person underneath. And some people are and some people aren't. And that's why you have to get to know people and not, you know, it's the whole judge a book by its cover versus like, let's read the book. Let's have a conversation and really, or, you know, or an interview or a podcast or, you know, all these opportunities that all you amazing people are giving so many people to, to tell their stories because that's where we get to show our realness and to show our, show that truth, regardless of what we look like on the outside or what we post on social media. Oh, that's great. That's great. So we got to be authentic. This, this has been an awesome episode of the 30 minute hour podcast. We want to thank Tracy Root, our guest for this week. And Tracy, tell people how they can best connect with you. Yeah, well, I've got a great place for you to connect with me. And that is at Gather. It's gatherinsantacruz.com is our website. You can also find us on the internet at the Gather Community. It's our Facebook group. Um, all are welcome. It is a private group. You have to like, you know, say you're going to follow the rules in order to join us, but feel free to come along because we've got so many great things happening there, really trying to build an authentic, tight-knit community of people um, there on social media. But um, but if you go to our website, we also there have all of our community members that are the people that we're highlighting all listed. You can read my story. Um, you can also find me at my personal coaching website, which is tracyroot.com. You can find out about how I coach people in the workshops and, and programs that I have there. Excellent. Excellent. Again, thank you to Tracy Root. Definitely make sure you go look up Gather. I know we're just going to have a flood of people wanting to gather now. That's right. That's awesome. Right. Well, that's great because that's that's the whole point is to bring people together. So that's what we want to do. For sure. Thank you so much, Trace. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. What a great, what a great time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this has been an amazing episode. This is not your everyday podcast. Again, you can catch us on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on YouTube. You can also catch us on your podcasting platforms, iTunes and spotify and once again don't forget to share this episode share that's right share. don't keep the information to yourself how you have great information and just keep it to yourself that's right don't you want don't, don't you want your friend don't you want your friends to be better too <laughs> that's right share the nuggets that's, that's right. our time for this week and until next time have a great one